Hello, everyone. You're listening to Elisa Unfiltered, Living Life Out Loud, the podcast. My name is Elisa curry and I am here today speaking from the heart to inspire and motivate you to be your best self. There is so much more to life than the nine to five daily grind, and I want to share all of my secrets with you. So let's get started. Welcome to another episode of Elisa Unfiltered. Okay, so this week is so cool because I have one of the most inspirational and motivational humans on the planet. (laughs) His name is Toph Evans. Now, Toph and I met over social media, I'm going to say like two years ago, um, which is kind of cool because he lives in Australia, I live in Canada, social media provides that really cool connection, and at first I thought he was just this like crazy ultra runner, like this insane marathoner, but then as time passed, we stayed connected, and I discovered that he is an unbelievable human being who has overcome so much adversity, and he has such an impactful story, so... I'm going to let him fill in all the blanks, but he is such a high vibrational human being that I just had to share the story with you guys because I know that it will resonate with many of the listeners out there today. So let's just get right into it. Here is my friend, Toph Evans. Okay, Toph, how are you today? I'm good. How are you? I'm so good. I'm so happy that we've finally been able to connect. Um, for everyone listening, um, Toph is actually in Australia right now, right? Or where are you? <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm back on the Gold Coast. Okay, so that's like where you're from, correct? Yes, correct. Okay, and um, just a quick little background. Um, you and I, we met on over social media. I can't even remember exactly how it went down, but... Next thing we know, we're like on a Skype call and we're doing like some social media, like consulting, right? Like back and forth. Do you remember that? Yeah, we met, we met on Instagram. Yeah, we met that, on Instagram. Not, it's not often that usually happens where you can turn it to fruition with like a meeting of some sort, right? I know. So like, yeah, I've met a lot of people, but I've never actually met them in real life before. Um, and I was thinking about this the other day because we, you and I tried to record this podcast last week and we just both like had technical meltdowns. <laughs> um, yeah. and, uh, I was thinking to myself, I think we probably actually met on that same day, like one year ago. So I was in Australia last year at this time. Like, I think I came home today, April the 3rd, which is, um, last year, so like last week, like I was in Byron Bay, like, and I was probably uh, yeah, meeting you. <laughs> it's so cool how like that sort of thing happens. But then, but then, yeah, I went to Australia last year and we met face to face and it was like, so that was, cool. that was so cool. I think you're, um, such a cool guy. You have an amazing story and, um, you've influenced my life in a really cool way because, um, there's not a lot of people out there that, um, are committed to their passions and that, you know, wear their heart on their sleeves and they, and they do things that they love despite, um, maybe what social pressures. I don't know. I, I'm not exactly sure how I'm, how I want to say this, but your energy and what you do, what you bring to the table is like this 
amazing gift to all of your fans and I was immediately like attracted to that and I had to meet you and finally did and and now I like can't wait to share your story with the, the listeners of this podcast I appreciate that thank you so much do you remember I um so you were in Byron Bay so it's only like an hour drive if that yeah and I just came from one of those VO2 maxes those yes those... yes oh yeah I, yeah and I know you've done many many of those but mm-hmm. likewise I can say the same thing about you very interesting person and just full of energy and just a very genuine person I can say the same thing yeah thanks thanks yeah we were sitting at that cafe and um talking talking about VO2 yeah, yeah. Absolutely. I remember it quite clearly. <laughs> yeah that was so fun I think I like yeah that was a, that was really cool. I I'm coming back to Byron next January, so we're gonna have to like meet up again. Hopefully, you're around. I'm to do that. Yeah. Absolutely. All right. Sweet. Sweet. We almost met uh, last month. Uh, you were on um, a book tour because you've written a book, oh, and we are. That's right. We went to. Yeah, we are definitely um, gonna talk about that book uh, a little bit later, but. Th- yeah, in in Toronto, you were in Toronto for like what was it, twenty hours? You said. 28 hours so just a little over a day oh my god that's crazy which is hilarious yeah and and it just so happened to be like this freak snowstorm so like it was a little bit too danger for me to drive down there so we oh i had to skip that but finally we got you you're here amazing um tell me everything about yourself go (laughs) i'm just kidding (laughs) what's his right guy um so so, yeah, so talk about, um, you know, your background a little bit, your history, what, what you do, how you do it, um, your endurance races, raising money for kids. Like, there's a huge list. I'm not exactly sure where to start with it, to be honest. Yeah, so I was never this, the running kid growing up, right? I, I hated running growing up. I'm, um, I'm shocked. I also hated. I'm shocked. And I hated... <laughs> I hated writing and I hated public speaking, but the three things I kind of do the most now. Um, Interesting. But as a kid, like growing up, I was hopeless at sport. I was a kid that got picked last on every team just because my hand-eye coordination was horrendous. I was also the super, like, nerdy kid, but I was the nerdy kid from, like, grade 10 to year 12. Um, Mm -hmm. I was that kid that could just be friends with everyone. It was weird. From like, because the first two years of high school, I was bullied a fair bit. Oh, interesting. So the last, the last years, it, it, it was like I understood the psychology of people. It was, it was so absurd, dude. To go from one side of the spectrum to the other. Um, <laughs> but I, I only fell into endurance racing mainly because I got curious with it. At the end of the day, I'm only, I'm only in a race as myself. I'm only trying to see the best I can be. I'm not. I never put anyone else's expectations on myself. Okay. Um, but I fell into it because I was struggling mentally, like really, really mentally and physically too. Like it got to a point where I needed to look after my health. I need to make it my number one priority, you could say, because everything else had degraded so much that when I started looking into why I wasn't happy um, and I was, I was heavily depressed, man. It was fucked. How, it was, how, how old were you at this like, point? Uh, would have been 22, okay, 22. Like I just came across all these setbacks that really pushed me back and the adversity hit me so hard because I was, I was bottling up like crazy. I was masking as a person 
I was doing a lot of hard drugs and alcohol, mm-hmm. a lot of it. And I was doing it just for the sake of it, just because I wasn't happy with who I was as a person. And I was doing a lot of, oh, I just, you know, I was lashing out on people. I'm not happy for that. Um, I was harming myself at one stage. I was on meds at one stage. Um, and it was, it wasn't a very happy time. It wasn't a very pretty time. And I was actually probably one of the most scared times of my life too, just because I didn't think I was going to get out. Mm-hmm. And literally I thought suicide was going to be the only answer, like many, many times, because that's all I could think about. And I like, I literally tried to OD and it happened in Toronto. And that was why. No kidding. Yeah, no shit. That's that's the that's the personal reason why I brought the book tour to Toronto, right? Like, okay. To, over, to personally prove to myself I can do this, and I explained, I explained at the at the keynote to everyone, and it like changed the whole like you could hear a pin drop because um, everyone's like, I did not expect that. A couple knew, a couple of people knew because I told them beforehand. Um, and it was crazy. Like, all this was happening while I was traveling, too. And you'd think, like, traveling would be, like, such a beautiful time. And it was. And I cherish every moment. It was just that. It was just, A lot of it just came at a terrible time. And before, before I know it, I started reaching out. So that kind of, like, decluttered the mind, right? Like, yep. talking as a male, it's not the easiest thing to talk about. It's easy for me now because I know the good it can bring. Right. And then I started to get more clarity because I've now I've got more room in the mind. So what brought so the clarity? Started... What did bring the clarity? Was it like the running or was it working out or just shifting? Like how did that shift happen? How did the shift happen? Yeah. So I, I started researching why I wasn't happy. So okay. then okay. The, the pivotal moment was I need to look after my health because I used to be 15 kilos heavier, 12 to 15 kilos. It seems to fluctuate. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then I was like, I needed, for some reason, like health equals sport. I don't know how I came to that correlation there. No, I, you know like, what? I, I love that because like people equate health to a lot of different things for sure. Um, that's a, and a neat observation. It's good to look at it because mm-hmm. that way you can tie it in with something you may enjoy, right? I loved watching sure. sport as a kid. I was just hopeless at it. <laughs> fair, um, fair. And I thought, geez, what am I going to do? I'll go for a jog while I think about it. <laughs> and then the penny dropped. Why don't we just think of running? But I was like, Tofi, you hate running. What are you going to do? Uh-huh. And I'm talking to myself in third person, right? Because <laughs> no one talks to themselves in third person. I go, you know what? Depression and anxiety can't be any worse than running right now. Right. Like, right. okay. So I thought, so I was running. But the thing was, I was running for the sake of running, right? Like, there was no kind of goal for it, and it was so weird. A friend and I would, was going into the city to do St. Paddy's, and this was 2015. Okay. Yeah, 2015, like four years ago. And um, I had an epiphany, and he's like, are you okay? And I said, I think I might run a marathon. He's like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> and this was before we even started drinking, and I thought, okay. The next day, I thought I should really sign up for this. I think I'm serious. So I did. I did the marathon and then I loved it, but I looked at it like there was like a direct and you've done a lot of running yourself. Yeah. There's like almost a direct correlation with running, like running a marathon and life, right? Yeah. At first you go, what the hell am I doing? Yep. I don't know. I have a clue what I'm doing. And then on race day, you're like, I am incredibly, this is incredibly daunting. Yep. 
And it's not until we realize that you look around, there's actually other people in the same boat as you because yeah. they're freaking out too. And when you start <laughs> when you start the marathon, it's fine. It's like, oh, I don't know what I was worried about. Mm-hmm. And then you come across these mental blocks throughout the races, whether they're early on, whether they're 30K, whatever it is. And you're, you look at the watch and you're like a minute ago, you're like, I was just fine. How the hell did I get in this kind of state of mind? It's not until... We push through, and it's usually some sort of sheer will that gets us out. <laughs> but it's, you're in a tunnel vision. That's why, like, there's so many fa- there's so many photos where oh. I'm in races, and I'm just game face, I guess you call it, race face. <laughs> and it's just because you're, like, in heavy focus mode. And you'd snap out of it miraculously. And you look around, and you're like, I just came across my second win. How the hell did I get out of that one? But you, but you come across someone that's struggling in a race, and sometimes you offer them, hey, do you need company? There's been so many times, like, do you need water? Do you need food? Because mm-hmm. you, you can empathize with them because you were just in that kind of moment, right? Yeah. Like, it's not until we come across someone that's hit kind of, if you've hit, if you've hit a rock bottom or if you've been at a lowest point in your life and you see someone struggling, you just naturally gravitate towards them and want to help them because you, you've been through something similar and maybe not the exact same. Yeah. And you don't want that pain to impede on them. Some people do, unfortunately. But you go, do you need a hand or what can I do to help you? And it's the same thing in racing, right? And when you – the race is I remember the ones where you have to dig the deepest and sometimes you don't want that in the moment. But when you finish, like, I can't believe I just did that, right? Oh. And – the pride it's like you can't believe it and it's such a like beautiful moment on like a hundred levels yeah oh 100 percent, 100 percent. and you you finish it and you're like you're already thinking of your next race and, <laughs> and the one thing i've noticed was like after these races you don't care what food you have you're just glad you have something to replenish the body you don't care what car you have you just need a ride to get home you don't care what house you have as long as there's a bed and you don't even care if it's like if they're moldy thin cardboard boxes, man, you're too knackered to really care. And <laughs> it's so true. It's so true. So, like, learning how to push through in running taught me how to push through adversity in life. I think Will Smith said it best. It's like, when you're learning to push, like, the little guy and your little, little person in your head, when you're learning to shut them off and just push through with your lungs, you just apply that to adversity in life. So I, I learned to do that. But it got to the point where you use it or you lose it, right? You you end up lo- like you end up training so much for it, and then you go, oh, there's a race coming up. Maybe I might sign up for that. And then that's when Ant came on board. Okay. After that, and we were doing this was 2015. We were doing one event a month to the point where we thought, let's give back and let's just do one event a month. But let's kind of start a brand and let's do it for a cause greater than ourselves. And we didn't think anything of it. We just wanted to give back. But before we know it one event it was like 13 events right we had i remember quite clearly we had these 13 events and they ranged we just wanted to at least do one triathlon one half marathon one full 150k ultra uh one obstacle course race and we'll fill the rest with like halves and fulls yeah and before we know it the more we got introduced into the community the more people would know about our story and then the more people would offer like start so like they would start saying hey this event's coming up you should do it we thought, fuck it. All right, let's do it. We would say yes to all of them. You and would like, say yes to all of them? You would say yes? Yeah. We, okay. Yeah, so we ended up, we got to a point where we got to like 13 turned into 20, 
<laughs> and 20 seemed right because we were trying to raise 20 grand for cancer research, like 20 for 20. But then <laughs> the, the, the boutique events would rock up. You should do this. Okay. Fuck, we're doing three events this weekend. Okay. <laughs> oh and my then God. Uh, 20 turned into like 25, then it turned into 32, then it turned into 37. <gasps> you can't finish a year off in 37. We've got to make it 40. And you just end up making a fit. So we did 40 events in one year. Oh, I look at it now, oh it's like, God. how the hell did we get through that? <laughs> how did we get through that? Honestly, and it was, oh, I'm glad we did. And it was incredible. This one taught me about sacrifice. This taught me about hustle because you're doing, you're working full-time jobs. Mm-hmm. You're hustling in the background to get sponsors just to alleviate. Now, we're not talking funding. We're talking about just gear or anything. Yeah. You're training. You're trying to eat right. All your events fall on weekends, so you end up, you can't see anyone. But yeah, so your social up, life definitely suffers for sure. In saying that, you meet friends in that field, yeah, and then they, they it's kind of integrated, right? It's yeah. like health and relationship is now one. So, hey, dude, you want to hang out? Yeah, let's go for a run. <laughs> yeah, and you're kind of knocking out, you're seeing your friendships, and you're kind of going knocking your health out once. It's kind of cool. I love that health and relationships become one. That's very cool. So, so you, so b- let's just rewind for a second. So, mm, you, for you, you and an aunt, you guys are, um, what's how long have you known each other for? Oh, like thirteen years. Okay, so you guys are like good school. buds. You guys are good buds. And so, why did you guys decide to like partner up with this? Because this this whole thing was sort of the birth of the wounded pelicans which is mm. the name of your, like, duo, correct? Mm. Uh, doing mm-hmm. all these, yep. uh, raising monies. And a lot of, the, a lot of the, um, the events that you're talking about, you were raising money for kids. Am I wrong with that? Like, it was all, like, kids' charities or very, very cool, very special, unique charities. That was the following year. So 2016 okay. was cancer research. Okay, sorry. Okay. Yeah. You, no, no, you're right. Um, we got to the end of the year and we go... We were approaching the end of the year and we thought we should just keep going with this <laughs> because we're getting so much momentum behind us, right? It's It was unreal what was going on. And you loved and we it. Thought, but we thought, how do you top 40 events? That's the question. Okay. And you go, you focus on quality, not quantity. That's how you do it. Okay. Because now we can go back to doing one event a month, like we said. Well, I'll tell you something quite profound, what I found from it, though. When depression is a state of worthlessness, so if you, it's like I don't have, like I lost my, all of my self worth. Well, that's when yes. I was like heavily suicidal and that. Yes. And the more we got introduced into the running, the endurance community, and the more people go, I want to know your story. I want to ask you for endurance advice at one stage. It's like Jesus Christ, we haven't even done this for a full year yet. <laughs> yeah. Um, and they're like, you should do this. It gave us a bit of worth, right? It's kind of crazy. It like gave you, it literally gave you a bit of worth when people would just like want to get involved and they wanted to support us. And it was, it was, it was a, the the power of community. I've seen it like at such an insane level. It is and so it's powerful. Community is everything. Yes. And you, you you know about community because you have quite a big following on your on mm-hmm. your Instagram that mm-hmm. you, people all around the world see your stuff and you're like, how the hell? <laughs> this is crazy, right? Yeah, like you it's put out crazy. Something, and that's, I think that's everything. Like, commu- because it comes back to human emotion. Yeah. Human, 
the human connection, I should say, because humans are wired. We're like, we're social creatures wired for story and connection. So when you, you were telling me about you, um, when we were in Byron Bay and you were telling me all about the, the ski stories yes. and when you went into, into a slump yourself, yes. I'm telling the own version of my head and then it becomes relative to me. Yeah. And it's, so that's why story is powerful. Yeah. Um, and we're, and we're wired for connection as well. So, and community is a big, is a big part of that. Like, Essentially, community is a family-orientated group of people with the same values. That's all it is. Yeah. So I feel like the running or the endurance community is a second family to me um, because a lot of the people there, you know, I found it's quite hilarious and ironic, but <laughs> a lot of marathoners and ultra runners are ironically running from their demons. Mm. Um, and mm. a lot of people do it for mental health for their own reasons, but they learn to push through and it makes them mentally stronger. Um, but I feel like that, I feel like that's why I run, to be honest, like it's mental, like it is therapeutic for me. It's uh, meditative. Um, it helps me stay on track with goals, with health, like health Mm -hmm. is definitely attached to that somewhere, but like Uh I try and do one marathon a year. Um, Uh um, and then a couple races, like I like the shorter distances, but the one marathon is like a really great goal for me to to like work towards so so I use it I use those bigger races as like goals but then when I'm actually running it's like it's my mental health it absolutely puts me in a place of like um of strength and connection to my body and it's like yeah it's so powerful I love it I love this stuff and I get goosebumps even when you when you speak of it because I can deeply resonate with all of this um (laughs) So you mentioned about child charity. Sorry. Yes. I, I didn't mean to go off on a tangent. I just meant to no. give you some context. Yeah, for sure. Um, so the first year was for cancer research. Yes. And then the following year, it's like, how do we top this? Let's go back to just doing one event a month, but let's give the first two months off to give ourselves a rest. Ah. We gave ourselves six weeks. <laughs> because there was, I was going to um, say, where, how fast, a... <laughs> fast did you get back into it? Six weeks. Oh, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. <laughs> yeah. And there was a spot and there was two Spartan races on back to back and we thought, fuck it, let's just do that. Okay. And like, are we talking Spartan five K's or like 100 death races? 100 K death races? I'd love to do a death race one day. Um, yeah. We, we did a seven and a 14 K. So okay. it'd be 21 K in total. Okay. Of obstacle course racing. Um, hilarious. But we thought, all right, let's just do one event a month. And if, if we give the first two months off, that's 10 events. Perfect. Anything comes, we, we end up doing about 15 to 18 events in total. Okay. Some of them are boutiques, some of them are half, some of them are like fun 10Ks, whatever. Um, we did an extra marathon in there, but we didn't count that one in. Um, right. But that was like the big the, 10. Is that where the big 10 came from? That's it, yeah. yeah okay. And we thought, how about we do not so little events, let's just say that, like not, not really tame ones. And we thought, who are we going to help? And we kept relaying it back to to kids right to youth it was it was youth and we go how what what kind of youth though we're gonna do bullied youth for kids with like youth with cancer and we thought why don't we just do it like each event correlates with a struggling cause Mm. and it's just so like each event somehow has a time with it yeah and like youth ended up being kids but youth is also for me like older people like you're, you're a little bit older than me, but I still look at I look at you as really youthful. Because oh, I love that. Thank you. <laughs> you have to you, you have to always embrace, and I, I know fifty year olds that are very youthful too. That you sure. think they're twenty five, 
Um, sure. You have to embrace your inner child. Now I'm not talking immaturity, but children are the most creative people. Mm. And I feel like some of us, we need to go back to our inner child um, or else just to kind of be in the moment too. Like kids are the most present focused living people mm. when they're playing, like when they're playing sport or when they're doing some sort of create creative kind of process. And at first we're doing events like we kicked the, the first event off with like a 24 hour run, right? Around a 400 meter track. Oh so yeah. Just, this is how we're kicking things off. Okay. Yes. What we found that. was like, we're doing the, it was the most obscene year. Like the next event locked in an altitude chamber for 48 hours for university study. And we're like training for 20, training 24 hours over that whole weekend. Wasn't so, it, wasn't it like another, 12 hours of running or something like that in the altitude chamber? I thought it was 12 hours both days. So 12 day one was 12 hours just on the treadmill. Oh day God. two was 12 hours between the rower, the bike and a little bit on the treadmill. And it was like a university study. So you had PhD students, you had master's students, you had undergrads in there, you got associate professors, you got head professors going in and out, testing you at three in the morning, oh making gosh. you piss in jars, doing all these funny things, yeah. um, testing your well-being. So it's like watching the minds of ultrunners before and after altitude is hilarious. Yeah. And... I didn't expect it to be a research study because they usually take it like six months, but they're like, we're going to add it in. I was like, oh my God, this is, they're already up to event two, but it was a cool lead up because then I did the Everest project, right? Just yes. me. And didn't come to me this one, but. That was what you were was training for when we met. Like you had come in because you were going totally. to Everest. Yeah. You were going to go to, you were going to Everest like at the beginning of April because I, or it was it May and I was going to come to Japan and meet you. <laughs> Do you remember That's that? That's right. It was May. It was May when it I was went. May. Oh, okay. Um, I think I left at the. When did I leave? Oh yeah, I because it was in June. The first. The first. And yeah, yeah. I was gone in Nepal for a month. Okay. I was gone for like five weeks, yeah. and then I thought, for me to wind down, this is how like we're talking about integration, right? We're talking about if I can get health and relationships. I said to myself because I've traveled a lot. I've done like thirty countries. Japan was like the thirtieth country. That's very cool. And I said. I'm not going to travel again unless it's tied in with like business, unless it's tied in with some sort of charity work, unless it's tied in with endurance, unless it's, there's a purpose for it now. Yeah. I'm not traveling for the sake of traveling. Yeah. And I thought if I'm going to go, I've always wanted to do Japan and yeah. it's on the way home. Mm -hmm. At least I could, this, I, this could be my wind down trip, right? Yeah. Like I do this heavy, heavy, rigorous, like I do every rigorous training, this crazy event in Nepal. We and didn't even I talk about the event. We Japan didn't even and kind of wind down. And that's when I asked you. I said you should so come. Oh, I um, wanted to. I like really tried to make it happen. It just oh, it was no, like kind of a transition Japan time was for me. Amazing. I didn't um I didn't want to leave. It's I don't know if you've ever been to Japan before. Yes. Yeah. I've been several times. I skied there on World Cup like five years. So I was like five or six. That's right. Times. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And like you'll notice, like their core values, like mindfulness of others, right? Uh huh. Uh huh. Isn't that insane? It's, they just. They're just the nicest people in the world. And I'm not here to like bias and say whose country is the best, but Japan's <laughs> the best. <laughs> Easy. Um, and it's not because of their weird eccentric culture or anything like that. It's just, you, you can, it literally, I feel like I'm at home. Like, I don't feel in danger or anything. Yeah. And when, when that culture is so important, right? Like, it teaches you, first of all, it teaches you perspective. 
it, it makes you think, why the hell do countries do things like this? <laughs> like, it's, the, yeah. it's not just like the mindfulness for Japan. It's like all the weird quirky things where you're like, why do they do that? But it works. Yeah. And it's, you end up applying that kind of mentality to your own because you get to the root cause after you ask why like a million times. And you're like, oh, I get that now. And then when you come home, it gives you like a bit of creativity. That's why like culture is important because perspective, it gives you pers- perspective is everything, man. And, and yes, it's everything. And it's interesting because some people can get perspective from like um, listening to podcasts like this and they can take it, take someone's word for it. And other people need to actually be exposed and believe like the, the faith, the blind faith versus the um, like something that you have to see. So I think it's really cool. Like talking about this, like I love when people have like aha moments or whatever and they have or someone they connect a dot somehow and they're like, Oh my God. And they see things in a different way. It's the cool. I love that. It's so cool. Yeah. That's, that's very, um, what's the word? Like, like you're literally talking about it, like literally talking about it. Like I'm looking at it from another way. So you, you start to look at a different lens. Yeah. And when you've done endurance racing, like perspective subsequently is empathy. Because you can see it from, sometimes you're looking at it from their shoes, and then sometimes empathy can lead into compassion. That's the mm-hmm. next, that's a deeper level though. Like empathy is the ability to look in another person's shoes and look at it from their angle. And that's important. Compassion is actually trying to solve the issue from there now. Mm-hmm. And um, so this is like, during that time, not not to go off the tangent, like we, yeah, we weren't like, we were talking about Japan, but yeah. I'm glad we spoke about that because I think travel, like, I just went to, like, for example, I live in between Gold Coast and Brisbane, two big cities of Australia. They're an hour and apart, completely different personalities, completely different personalities. And it's good to know that. And, like, when I was in Sydney last week for the end of the book tour, Sydney is incredibly fast-paced. And I'm thinking maybe I should apply that to my life. Like, my life is very fast-paced as it is. (laughs) But you start looking at even... Like, sometimes the buildings look the same, but just the personality is completely... Like, Toronto and New York, completely different. So when I did the book tours there, yeah, you can see that it's a completely different vibe. No right or wrong what vibe's right. There's no right or wrong with the vibe. Yeah. And it's knowing how to read a crowd. It's knowing what kind of energy is shifting and that. Yeah. Like, Q&A in New York went for, like, 30, 40 minutes. It was insane. I didn't expect that. Okay. It was amazing. Amazing. Um, but going back to the events, now we're going from, like ultra running to like ultra endurance like now we're doing remember one event we're carrying do you guys use um do you use metric or imperial in canada we're metric we're we're, we're kind of both we're both (laughs) explaining to americans is like uh no you use pounds yeah yeah, we're both we use both like honestly like yeah um it was like 25 kilos or 55 pounds yeah. On on of weight on the shoulders, like not suspended on the hips on a backpack. Yeah. For hundred kilometers or sixty three mile. That was one of the events. Like now we're doing these weird, stupid fucking things where <laughs> it's like we're just it's just absurd because yeah. the brain is either wired for pattern recognition or novelty. And sometimes the pattern recognition because people don't want to change, but once you can get a train going, then it starts to become the normal, right? It's yeah. like I know something's big when my parents know about it. Like, the other day, yeah. holy shit, I remember it was, like, literally, like, a week ago. <laughs> Have you heard of Airbnb? Yes, I've been using it for the last, like, five, six years. <laughs> Your parents <laughs> asked you that? <laughs> That's so funny. I was showing them how to use it. I was like, use my code so I get it cheaper. <laughs> uh-huh. 
I love but that. Like the same with Uber. So it's like, you know, something's big when your parents know about it. <laughs> I don't know if your parents are the same, but I love my parents a bit. And it's, it's actually quite adorable. Amazing. I heard about this thing about Airbnb. <laughs> it's like, I used Airbnb when I was in Toronto. Come on. Which felt <laughs> like hilarious. I got a funny story. Yeah. The book, to- the book is incredibly fitting because of the book title. And I could have done my keynotes on everything I found on the book tour because I remember I was in Canada for 28 hours. Yeah. I've never done that before. Yeah. <laughs> but I literally went from Texas to Toronto and then straight to New York. But when I flew into Toronto, it must have been like 1230 um, in the morning. Yeah. And by the time I got through customs, by the time I grabbed my bags, and I've got big bags, man, because they're full of books. Oh and God. it's sub-zero. So I'm like, as much as I actually missed it, it's a bit of a novelty, right? It's, it hasn't, it never gets to that cold and where yeah, I'm it wasn't least. even that cold. It was like minus two. <laughs> wasn't yeah, it? See? Like, yeah, like yeah. I'm, I'm used to like mid thirties. Yeah, yeah, I know. That's the thing. Um, and I remember rocking up to my Airbnb, and the guy forgot to give me the code. He forgot to give me the code to get inside. Okay. And I'm thinking, oh, and I'm, God. then my phone dies. I was like. Fuck, what am I going to do oh, here? God. So it's like, how, how, how do I get past this? So luckily, I ended up just leaving my stuff there because I'm like, no one is going to steal that. Good luck. You can steal it if you want. At least sell the books. Please. So you just left <laughs> the books outside of the Airbnb? It was like, well, it's like two in the morning Okay. Now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. So okay. I, I go to call him and my phone dies. Yeah. And he's asleep anyway. But in his nice warm bed, you bastard. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I end up finding like a restaurant that's open. They let me charge my phone. I end up just finding a a hotel nearby yeah and uh yeah it was, it was quite it was quite funny what was going on but that oh going back to the events now the events are going from like these crazy events to catch someone's attention to now we're doing like 12 hour swims and now we're doing like double marathons and stand-up paddleboards yes that, that 80k yeah the 80k stand-up paddleboard that was insane yeah, I remember that. I remember talking to you about the paddleboard event, actually. Yeah. But then we're doing, like, events where it's, like, 100K war trails where you got to carry a brick for 100K. It's oh just so absurd. And then you're doing advent running. The advent running was when you're running whatever the date was is how many kilometers you had to run, right? So, like, today we would only – well, it's the fourth over here. So you don't have to run run or walk 4K. The first week is amazing because it's only like 28Ks. Yeah, so like and on the like, first of the month, you would run one kilometer, the second two kilometers, and then so totally. forth. So like, it gets to the point where the 15th, and you're halfway into the year, and you're like, that was the easy half, literally, because you got to do, yeah. I think the first week you do 28K, the next week you do 88K, the third week you do 126, and the last week you do 180 something. So it equals being 465 kilometers. But wow. you get to day 21, and you're like, I've got to run a half marathon, and it's a goddamn Wednesday yeah. for, for, for shits and giggles for this. <laughs> but the next nine days are half marathon or more. And But what it taught me. Yeah, tell me tell me what you learned from this experience. Because this one was, like, the, in my opinion, like, the most commitment, um, the, the most yeah. challenging almost. <laughs> so much commitment. <laughs> There's so much accountability at stake. But you get to, like, day... I remember it quite clearly. Day 29. And the, the thing is with these, like, one rule of advice, get them knocked out first thing in the day, in the morning. Get up as early as possible. Oh. Because if you leave it to, like, 5 o'clock on day 29, like me, you're like, fucking hell, why did I do this again? <laughs> it's like, you know, get home... Like, 
29k takes you like four hours. Oh my god! Spend the first like 8k walking to get you in a rhythm. And Were you like sore? Yeah. Like, what did it do for your mental, for your physical? Like, what does the, like these types of events do to you? Um, it takes it mentally out of you using so much mental glycogen to process what's going on. But mm. what what it did teach me though, we did it for youth for um, youth uh, wheelchair bound kids, right? Oh, and it wasn't just actually it wasn't just kids. It was also like people that have been that still embrace their inner youth. That's why it still says youth. Um, anyone that was like a part of a gnarly accident or that was grown born with a deficiency, because all they want in life is just to walk, stand, and run. And someone that are runners, you and I, if we got something on our mind, let's just go for a run. If we can run with front, like I know, usually every Wednesday I'm with the lads, we're doing some sort of climbing at night. Mm-hmm. It's pretty fun though. Um, if we're just with the guys, it's like that human connection. It's it's a very liberating and emancipating feeling. Mm-hmm. Some people, all they want in life is just to walk, stand, and run. Something as simple as that. And a lot of people take their legs for granted. Day mm-hmm. 29, my legs are sore. But at least I've got my legs, man. Like, yeah. stop complaining. And they taught me to com- stop complaining about the little shit in life. Mm-hmm. And day 30 was awesome. Like, you finished it, like, in the moment. I can't believe we just did that. <laughs> did you do it in the morning in the 30 on day 30? What was that, sorry? Did you do your 30 in the morning or did you wait till the evening? We did. We, I, had, we had, a, I had a little group with me. Um, I, I was going to ask you that too because you definitely ran with people. I was watching you on Facebook and like all like... 30, I think. And yeah, it was yeah. great. Like, you know what? We, we put it out there and only Ant and I were the ones that had to do the full month, right? We, mm-hmm. we encouraged people to... This is the power of this is this is how insane community works, all right? Put it out there. When we start the Facebook group, we had just the Gold Coast. By the end of the the end of the month, we had eleven nations doing this with us. No, was, we had people I in Qatar doing this with us. Out of all places, we had we had a lady in Dubai. No way! And this is this is, this is how this is like how funny it got, right? So Dubai Facebook's kind of blocks you have to use it through a vpn you have to do it through like a, a like a portal sure because it's like blocked over there so i got a friend doing it and she jumped in like halfway into the month but she was just getting involved getting people moving mm-hmm. um changing their paradigms and what fit, like just to get them enjoying like act like being active mm-hmm. and she's like hey tof here's my screenshots of the last few days can you upload them for me because i can't upload them and no, it wasn't Dubai. It was Shanghai. Sorry. Oh, Shanghai. Shanghai. Okay. And both are the same though, very similar. Mm-hmm. With the the um, internet and on Facebook, I put it up and say, "Hey guys, this is Rebecca from Shanghai. We're in Shanghai now. What the hell? <laughs> it's like <laughs> this is amazing." Um, but the power of community. We we're telling people we would love for you guys to get involved. Like, there's no there's no fee to join. All we're trying to do is doing this for you for youth, uh, wheelchair-bound youth, and you can run each day, you can walk each day, yeah. um, and, like, there was one lady, like, I'm only doing it to day five, it's like, yeah, you're doing five days, so, oh, like, that's, that's awesome, yeah. she ended up doing the full 30, like, no. we had, no way, I think we got double, I think we got a good double digits for people that did the full month with us, and didn't so expect cool. it, I didn't expect anyone to do the full month with us, um, and that kind of changed their paradigm, now they're, like, people get emotionally attached to these things, and, like, I'm just going to keep going. Mm-hmm. And then you're building habits now. So that's kind of cool. Um, so the year going from 
what I can say is, actually, no, the last event was probably my favourite. And I always think back to, there's this one moment, oh, it's one of my favourite. Like, it's hard to tell what's a favourite, but it was a very pivotal moment in my life because the last event, we're doing 50k in Santa suits in the hottest time of the year for two kids going blind, right? Mm-hmm. Um, one of the mums put out something on her Facebook saying, my two, my two little kids have retinous pigmentosa, which is like a very rare eye disease where you can't see, like the little boys, where he can see only six meters ahead, we can see 36 meters ahead. And mm-hmm. it's, it's, that's reducing by the day. Mm-hmm. Um, so they, the most valuable commodity are memories. Mm-hmm. They need more memories. So when they go blind, hopefully they're instilled and ingrained in their mind. Oh my gosh. Um, a friend reached out to me and said, is there anything you boys can do? Uh, and I thought about it and it's like, well, we're doing our last event in Santa suits anyway. We're doing it for like kids that don't get to have Christmas. Because um, we could tie in with that. Yes. And we thought, why don't we just give them gifts at the end? Like we had gifts, like two massive sacks of like stuffed toys, I think it was, yeah. waiting for us, like 100 meters to go behind where the finish line so no one actually saw us come in like through there so we grabbed the presents and now we come through the finish line it was insane like you have all this it was a mixed emotion like we've just done all these events we it was all to give back and then the people could see us and it's like we're getting like a standing ovation it was crazy and we have people in the crowd yelling at like screaming for joy obviously but and it was i remember it so like so vividly come across give them the give the kids the presents but then the dad looks at me never met the dad and he's just looking at you going with such a sincere thank you it's like you can't put a price on that and that's why i do this stuff um and yeah it was so much mixed emotion there's a lot of hugs going around for everyone and you know what we look like santas at the start now we look like wizards on crack because it was the hottest time of the year were you like <laughs> I melted like, like i look like this chinese philosopher <laughs> when my beard is like a ponytail, <laughs> it's so sweaty. <laughs> but it was um, just the giving back, and it it was such a crazy year to go from heavy depression and suicidal tendencies, and literally trying to one time to literally put myself into the right mindset to make an impact on someone else. I'm glad I went through all that. As yeah, as profound as that sounds, it yeah, it, it makes you realize. So. I, I can say this on air because I'm putting it out in literally the next half an hour. So Red Bull and I have teamed up, which is Ooh. amazing. They came, they approached me, and I'm so I'm so honoured and grateful. And they said we need someone in the mental health space to write for us about adventure. I said these are, I've got you, dude. <laughs> oh my god, I'm clapping. That's so exciting. So I'll put it out, and after this phone call, I'll put it out in a, like half an hour afterwards. Well, this but is going to air tomorrow. This will come out tomorrow, so Wednesday. In, oh, like, yeah, yeah, so we've so got time. You've got time. <laughs> the article is called Why Why There's a Blessing in Adversity, right? And mm-hmm. I talk about how going through all these struggles to being that kid who ran down Everest yep. for someone else. And people are like, I'm having it really badly. And it's like, no, 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 no. You can actually use this. You can use this to your greatest advantage. Um, like, think of Mandela. I love using Mandela as an example. Yeah. He, he died as, like, one of the most iconic greats ever lived in history. The guy was in prison for 27 years. Yeah. Isn't that insane? Yeah, totally. Like, I'm only turning 27 this year. Yeah. <laughs> like, he'd still be in prison. Yeah. And he died as, like, oh, he, first of all, he's doing, there's, like, stories of him doing push-ups at, like, four in the morning in his cell, and he's, like, 
chanting to himself, I'm going to be the first black president of South Africa. I'm going to be the first black president of South Africa. And they've got other prisons cellmates couldn't be near him. They're like, fuck that. This is too much for me. Like, there is no way he's going to be. But yeah. he did. And he died as he, obviously, he went into prison protesting his rights. He was a rebellion like that. And I think it's important for us to be our own rebellion. People, like, I do these races too. Like, I've got this big race in Scotland this year. And this is the rebellion of me, but it's like 345k. There's mm-hmm. enough vert to be camped for Everest. There's one side of Scotland to the other. And people are like, why the hell would you do that? I said, well, first of all, I get to dig really deep. I get to see it's a mental challenge for myself. But I'm also doing it for like all the kids that get told no their entire lives. Because if you think about it, I say this in the book, like you're, you get given a bunch of Lego at like very young age and dude we're going to the moon right we're going mm-hmm. like we're going to build a spaceship we're going to the moon as we get older you can have dreams and reality like dreams on one hand reality in the other hand and as we get older you get told you can't do this you can't do this and that kind of moves them apart so when you get to what you all you get so much restrictions and reality your lateral thinking is not as lateral now and there's a lot of adults in this world too that have been told no their entire lives that they haven't been able to use their full potential because they let other people's opinions dictate the reality so i'm also doing this race for them mm-hmm. and yeah it, it's it's just so fascinating how much we can push as a human being so you i'm just doing the rebellion i'm also doing this race for everyone for an older person to tell everyone else to go fuck themselves, <laughs> literally, it's, because... It, it's so cool how you can recognize that within yourself, because, like, um, the I, I, I believe that the people that had, you know, were told no their whole lives, they start, they believe in the no, and they are the ones telling no to the next generation and to the people around them. And like, it's kind of this like movement that happens and makes everyone sort of conform to society. But like you say, you're a rebel and I can't, I, I, that resonates with me because I didn't necessarily do the norm either. Like I've, you, 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 you do what your soul is drawn to do. And, um, and it changes the way people think and they're like, you're crazy. I can't believe you're doing that. But it's like, I don't know. I love that. I love that you like call yourself a rebel because that that's really cool. We need more yeah, people like that. What happens is you are what you constantly think, and it manifests. Literally, mm-hmm. if you think you, it, it it honestly like, if you think you're worthless, it manifests. But everyone listening is worth everything. Like at the end of the day, you can grab every one of our X-rays to everyone that's listening. You and I, and you wouldn't know who's who. And it's just we're all human being. Yeah, we're all made of what I can do. Um. I, I just use the power of perspective. Now, I'm not comparing. I was like, well, if the Tara Hamara can run 300 mile, then surely I can run a marathon. Now yeah. I'm at the point where I'm running 200 mile. <laughs> um, yeah. I'm going to need some more inspiration. Now, it's like you end up just doing it for a cause greater for yourself, and that's your the greatest accountability. But it comes back to that. Th- have you read Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill? No, I, it's actually on a list. That is on a list of things I need to read. Yeah, I've that heard of it. like the fifth sold book in history. It's insane. So yeah. it's not a book on how to get rich. It's a book on how to get abundance and abundance in, you can use abundance in wealth, abundance in, now I don't want to spoil it for you because the book actually says throughout the book, (laughs) if you actually understand the concept, close it up now. I love that because it's like, you don't have to read the entire book. No one does. Like there's no law of physics that says you have to read the entire book because the book is usually about one thing and your job is to be a gold miner 
get the gold and get out. Right. Because there's so many books out there. So if you can if you can figure out how to, and there are ways to do it, but that's what Think and Grow Rich is about. Like whether mm-hmm. you want in life for an abundance, but it's about a specific topic. Like I won't go too yeah. far into it. Yeah. Okay. And if you think about that and you visualize the nasty stuff because you start to tell a narrative in your head. Like oh, our minds yeah. are just constantly going off oh, and yeah. wandering off in space, but we need to be grounded so we're back on Earth. And sometimes those negative thoughts can just manifest into something a lot bigger than we thought, and now it's a problem that we've created. Absolutely. <laughs> and then people go, oh, I wish I did this when I was younger, but I never... All right, for a very good example, my a dear friend of mine, he's, a, he's an engineer, he's a Serbian bloke, and he's in his 50s, and he has always wanted to write a children's book, right? Mm-hmm. And this was five years ago. And then I saw him recently. And I said, how's your children's book going? He's like, I haven't even started. I said, why not? He said, oh, because other people think it's, don't think it's a great idea. And I said, dude, you can't be listening to other people. And I also said to him, I said, I'm also doing this race for you, man. Because <laughs> I, don't, I think you're just looking at every, what everyone else wants, but not what you want. Yeah, Just do it. Just do it. 100%. Just Even do if it. it's shit, just do it. Because the first one's a shit, right? Like, <laughs> I remember my first blog suck. And yeah. now I'm like writing for Red Bull. This is insane. But now you're um, learning and you're evolving and you're like, you've, it, it, it all means something. Whether you believe it's good, maybe one person out there thinks it's unbelievable. And like, totally. same with your blog post. Like, you thought it was shit, but you know what? You probably impacted someone. It's like my first couple podcasts. Like I didn't know what the hell I was doing. Now I get like so many amazing comments, and it's like I know I'm actually really proud. It's really of that cool because we were talking about this like maybe six eight months before. Actually, probably a good year. Yeah. So this is when we're ch- chatting like when you're in before you even came to Australia. And, like I'm looking at doing a podcast. I was like, you would kill it in the podcast game. I'd love that. <laughs> um, yeah. The and it's happening. And so. that, that's a good. You were talking about impact, right? That's the yeah. best metric to go off. When you're posting content, I used to be that dude, that bit of an ego where you go, oh, not enough engagement, I'll take it down. But if you know, if only a few people like it and you, someone private messages you, this is hypothetically, if, and someone private messages you or yeah. really posts like a really thoughtful, meaningful comment, then you got them, you hit them in the heartstrings somehow. Yeah. And it's like, don't delete it because they obviously will resonate with it and yeah. they can help spread it. Yeah. Um, that's the best. That's the best metric for me to go off. If it's gonna impact someone, or if it's gonna make their life easier somehow. Um. So, with that being said, tell me, you decided to write this book. So you wrote yes. a book, and I don't think we've said the title. Have we said it? I don't think we said it. No, I haven't. Okay. Do you wanna? Do you want to, or can I do the honors? <laughs> you can. You can do it because I crack up every time someone says it because I think it's the funniest title ever. Okay, so your book is titled Everyone Has a Plan Until Shit Hits the Fan. <laughs> and yeah. it's is that that is that the full title? Yeah. <laughs> so the subheading is how to not be the bitch of your own brain. So there's another bit of profanity oh. in there, right? <laughs> Amazing. It's so funny. So how did that come uh, how did that come about? Like um what what is the book about? I mean, the title sure. is kind of self-explanatory, but I'm assuming it's all, it's mm. everything because it's everything yeah, that you've there's, learned. There's, there's a lot of key values out of it, right? So okay. we all have a plan when things go right. No one has a plan when things go wrong. Yeah. So it comes back to evolutionary psychology. Um, it's knowing how to 
you know, you don't have to be the best looking. You can have the best attributes in the world. That's not going to define you as successful. Because yep. they just, if you're the best looking, you're, that's just a bonus trait. Um, that, that just means that you have an advantage in it. But it's knowing how to adapt and bounce back. That's all it is, right? Yeah. So it's talking about resilience and it's talking about adaptability. But I wrote the book. I don't care if I'm not known as an author. I'd rather be known as a storyteller Yeah. in regards to this book. Um, I wrote it not to be a number one. Like I didn't write it to be a bestseller. I managed to hit bestseller accolade, but that's just a bonus. Interesting. I that's wrote amazing. It. Very cool. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. But like that wasn't why. That wasn't what was driving it. It just happened that it was quite easy to market. Okay. <laughs> um, the reason why I wrote it was for three reasons. So I wanted to get someone out of a crisis, prevent someone from committing suicide, or help someone grow to unimaginable heights. So for someone that was in all three of those, right? Like. If, if I was in a slump, I was also very heavily suicidal mm-hmm. and I want, like I'm at a point where people go call me crazy nine times out of 10. I'm like, I'm just obsessed and curious, man. I'm, yeah. I'm saying made of the same elements as you. And it's, it's been pretty awesome to have, um, to see the, the feedback from people. Like yeah. I'll get messages every day from all realms of life. I, I got this one message from a guy in Ottawa. Yeah. Cool. And I won't say his name um, for privacy reasons, yeah, but sure. he reached out to me and he said, "Hey, dude, I have um, I really love your story. I couldn't you I couldn't have got this out at any perfect time because he broke up with his, his partner. He has cystic fibrosis, and now I've inspired him to run his first marathon. And it's like, oh. holy shit, this is amazing. I so you get people that. that like one or two things will happen, and this usually happens from one or two things will happen, and it's the same thing as my keynotes as well. Like people go, I don't feel alone. And they'll just want a massive hug. Um, or I've somehow changed their paradigm in the complete opposite way where they're now inspired to do something crazy or they're inspired to break their own limits, which is amazing to see. You've got – I remember I did a talk in Texas at South by Southwest and this one girl goes to me. I literally tried to commit suicide like a month ago. Mm-hmm. And I got that talk from another gentleman like two weeks prior to that. But they're like – when you were talking to me, it's like you were saying the words right out of my mouth. Like, I felt like I needed this. And, it, like, it gives them a bit of self-worth. And that's what I'm trying to give them in my talks. Like, give them, everyone, a bit of worth. Give them very practical advice, too. But Absolutely. giving it through a very anecdotal story where it gives a lot of... And it's so human. Like, incredibly yeah. human. So raw, when, what I'm trying to deliver. Yeah. The, uh, But I had a text from a friend yesterday going... He's like, first of all, man, I haven't read a book in over 15 years, and yours is the first time I've ever read, read, read one more than 50 pages in. And he said, you also said something in there that changed something um, for the greater good. He, he had, like, this one fixation on something. So a paradigm is literally just a fixed belief. And he, I must have broken that because he's like, I thank you so much because I've been stuck on this thing for so long. So it's kind of cool to see that as well, like, you can mm-hmm. apply this to business. Like, this stuff is perfect if you're in sport because I'm heavily involved with sport. Um, this stuff is great if you're struggling and like, like depression, anxiety, and it's also great like if you're in business because someone that's in business themselves, entrepreneurship is literally jumping off a plane and building the plane on the way down. Mm-hmm. The, like I remember the book tour, getting the book tour ready. The plane is built, but the engine won't start, or everything that could fail on the book tour did. It's yep. crazy. It's just knowing how to adapt 
it's, it's putting my own stuff to practice and just looking at the book title and be like, you're so fitting at every point <laughs> because anything that can go wrong will. And it's just a matter of like, it doesn't, the end of the day, it doesn't matter what the adversity is. It's knowing how to adapt through it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yeah. when you were um, locked outside of your Airbnb in Toronto, did you like open the book or <laughs> were you reading your own words? I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, funny, I didn't read that, but I hadn't, like I had to find at that point, I go, what am I going to do? Like, I can't, <laughs> I can't really hail a cab because there's no really many cabs at two in the morning. Yeah. Just driving around. Yeah. So I ended up finding a restaurant that was still luckily to be open. Yeah. I would have just gone into a McDonald's or something anyway. Yeah. Asked if I could charge my phone. They said, yep. And they were very nice. They gave me like water in the meantime. And I wasn't like pissed off or anything. I was just, I was just tired. Mm-hmm. And I had nothing to do for like, I let my phone charge for like 15 minutes. I ended up just reading The Alchemist. Have you ever read The Alchemist? I have. Absolutely. Yes. It's yeah. very, yes, yes, okay, yes. So that's like the second most sold book. So we're talking about a lot of sold books. <laughs> now I'm not saying hopefully mine's up like up there, but I'm just saying these are good reference points. They can grow rich in The Alchemist. Yeah. The Alchemist is like this beautiful, profound fiction novel that is like a beautiful testament to life, right? Yep. And I'm, yeah, I'm reading this and like, holy shit, this is like a lot of what's going on in life, but to be in the moment and to just read it. a book while shit is like failing. It's like, I I'm love quite it. proud of myself for that. I moment. love it. It's so, so like, good. What's he doing? Just reading a book. Yeah. This, yeah. Um, <laughs> so funny. So yeah, the, the book title was so fitting because like my biggest goal was to just try and make an impact on someone and I get messages every day. So I think I've, I've got that. I hit the nail on the head with that one. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it was, that was the, the primary reason like, it wasn't something, it was nothing external, it was something intrinsic that was driving it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I'm so happy that you, you did that because like people enjoy messages or receiving messages in different platforms like uh, social media. There's lots of people out there that love social media. Then there's like the podcasting world. Then there's the books and there's audio books. Are you going to do an audio, <laughs> make it an audio version that Sivu play? So I can, <laughs> that's sort of where I'm getting into is like the audio Stuff anyway. Yeah. Or there's audio, audio is like are the best time savers, right? You can listen to it while you're on the commute. Yeah, yeah. Um, the thing is, I didn't want to. If I did an audio book, I might. I still might. Yeah. Um, it was gone. I didn't want to. How do I say it? I didn't want to like flood everything at once. Yeah. I didn't want it to be overwhelming. Yeah. Like, sure. Um, I'll say this now, but you can buy my book through Bitcoin, literally. Okay. Is that like the um, best place to get it? Like, yeah, let's tell everyone where to get your book. Amazon. Can you get on Amazon? You can't buy it through Bitcoin just yet because oh, I didn't okay. want to. I didn't want to flood everything. Like I had oh, the functionality okay. there and everything, and I didn't. I just wanted to. Yeah. So the book is on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, all gone. Like any site. Like my 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 site has it all there. So. Um, and where's that? What's tof, that?tof-evans.com/slash/the-book, and it's got the book trailer there. It's got. If you want to purchase the book through me, you pay whatever you want for it. Um, okay. And it's got the reasoning why, like, 10% of all book sales go back to a, um, a cause that is reducing the stigma behind it. Yep. And I just wanted to make this book, like, to come around full circle, right? Mm-hmm. Like, someone who's done a lot of charity fundraising, people go, what do I get out of this? And you're like, a tax-deductible receipt, bro. <laughs> um, but if you buy this Practical Resilience Bible, you're also contributing to one of the biggest issues in the world, and vice versa. If you wanted it to help the cause, you're also getting something in return. 
Yeah, it's very um, cool. I love it. Just to go and, back though, your website is T O F E dash E V A N S, like tof dash Evans dot com. Hundred percent. Yep. Dot com yep. slash the book, and I've got it there. And I've also got you can also buy the book at any of these resellers too. I've just got four, but there's there's more than four. I just don't want to overwhelm. But like I just got the main ones. Like you've got Amazon, yep. Barnes and Noble, um, Book Depository, and Booktopia, which is the other two are massive in England and Australia, but the okay. first two are like obviously worldwide. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and it it's it's like almost like I'm not going off how many book sales I've made. It's how many private messages I receive or how many mm-hmm. how much impact I can bring with it. Because mm-hmm. I think that's and it's like keynotes, right? Like I just have to focus on one person, mm-hmm. and that one person you can get is going to help spread it like wildfire. Before you, with that in your sleep, meaning they're gonna. Because you've impacted them so much that they want to spread the message. Absolutely. And I mean, you know, you don't really need an audiobook uh, when you have this podcast. Because really, you've inspired me like throughout this podcast. I'm making notes. I don't know <clears throat> if any of my listeners ever make notes. I'm, ra- I'm making notes, man. I love it. <laughs> yeah. One thing is, you asked me about the audiobook. That was the other thing. Yeah. I'm literally, I have a Facebook group called Case Studies of Practical Resilience. Okay. So there's a QR code that can take you there. And it's a safe space for people to go into if they're feeling alone, right? I've got this framework called Practical Resilience, and it's mentioned in the book. Couple, yeah. The framework, the, the diagram is just shown a couple times. I've worked on this with psychologists yeah. and human behavioralists. And I, I started a bit of a movement on LinkedIn, which I'm kind of dragging into this Facebook group to build a community. Yeah. And like all people have to do is like if they want to be a part of it, they have to just upload a video. They can be in it just to see everyone else's stuff so they can realize that there is someone also going through a tougher time as well. Sure. So they can be like a ghost and It's in just there. saying three things. It's like yeah. you just got to like, – if you want to be in it, I would love for you to okay. – Um, because I know you'd have to be an epic story. So it's like say a time that was highly stressful or highly full of adversity, right? Tell us the mindset that got you through it and tell us how grateful you are to be the person you are today to go through that. And it's so profound, like watching everyone because they go, this is what I went through. And then when they go through the mindset stuff, because on social media, this is so profound, on social media, people don't care about your problems. People care how, how you went about those problems. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's like, when you tell them, this is how I got out of it, they may, someone may be going through something similar, now it's relative. Mm-hmm. And then they're telling their own version in their head. And then you go, you know what, I'm actually grateful to go through all that, even though it was highly stressful. And mm-hmm. people, like people using the framework, I remember this one lady, she lost her brother to suicide and saying, this is how I use the framework to get out of it. Um, people going, I broke the five minute mile. So now it's sport related. This is how I used it. So it's kind of cool to see any sort of slump or plateau. And you know what? I may, I may even just do a podcast lately. Uh, once I have enough in there, like yeah. I've got enough content to do uh, literally a year now, but yeah. Um, I could literally just read out those case studies and they could be 10 minute episodes or something like that. I think that'd be a little bit more powerful than doing the audiobook. but I'm looking at still doing the audiobook too. Oh, I cannot wait for this podcast. You have to tell yeah. me the second you decide to do this. <laughs> I'll oh, yeah, be your biggest you fan. Know, so I'm going to, I'm going to probably wait a bit just cause I've yeah, got sure. so much on my plate. Yeah. No kidding. It, if you have, if you have to bite off more than you can chew, just keep chewing. But that's how uh, burnout comes. <laughs> 100%. Okay, well, um, I can't believe we've been talking for an hour already. That went by so fast. So, quick. so, so fast. Quick. Oh my gosh, I'll have to have you back on the podcast uh, in a few I, months. Um, I thank you. I acknowledge you for bringing me on this. I really appreciate you. 
I appreciate this. I appreciate you too. This is great. Thank you so much for sharing your story. I know like it's, uh, it's definitely a good one. It's definitely a good one. Love it. Thank you so much. Okay. Well, um, until next time. Oh my gosh. I just love that guy. He's so great. What an unbelievable story. Oh, such good vibes. If you want to follow Tof, please do so on Instagram at T-O-F-E dot E-V-A-N-S or check out his website, tof-evans.com. Thank you guys so much for listening. It means the world to me. Can't wait to do this again. Until next time.